The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. And it's Friday. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday. I'm in love. All right, welcome to the Pod of Thunder and Rock and Roll. The People's Podcast has arrived. The remedy for boredom is here. Let's go for a ride with Tim Comerford, the bass player from one of the most powerful bands in rock and roll history, Rage Against the Machine, one of the biggest supergroups in rock and roll history, Audio Slave, and he's now the frontman for one of the uh, most original, unique new bands in rock and roll history, Future User. He's a close personal friend of Lance Armstrong. He waterboarded tennis legend John McEnroe and he set himself on fire all for the love of rock and roll. We're going to talk about all of that. Lots of great rock and roll stories with Tim. And hey, you know, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without all you guys listening, all the great guests, and all the great sponsors of Talk is Jericho. And of course, I hope you support the show by using the sponsors, and you can do it through the Amazon links at podcastone.com. You click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Then you hit the Talk is Jericho button. Remember, every time you use one of those links, Amazon kicks back a couple buckles to the show to help me cover production costs. I got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, Amazon Canada A. Remember, you buy whatever you want to. Whatever you want to get, you go pick it up whatever your little hearts desire. It's not going to cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or extra charges. So if you happen to be doing some online shopping, do it through my Amazon links and help out this show in the process. Uh, you can also bookmark these links so you can get to it in one easy click. You go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner. Then you hit the Talk is Jericho button and you keep on rocking with me. All right. There's something you can't buy on Amazon. It's one of my uh, famous, notorious, iconic lighted jackets. I got a lot of compliments, a lot of questions. A lot of people want to know where I got these jackets, why they don't sell them at the merch stand at WWE shows. I'll tell you the reason why, because they've cost anywhere from eight grand to 12 grand to 15 grand per jacket. And they're in constant states of repair. I have three of them on the go and I have one of them in my house right now that works. The other two are either getting rewired or uh, re realigned. I guess you'd say uh, the newest one is the led 
jacket I have, which is insane. It looks amazing, but it has uh, some problems because all these are prototypes. And I got these jackets made by a guy called Jonathan Logan. Jonathan lives in uh, Los Angeles. He does all of his work out of Los Angeles. He does some very, very, very big name stars. And I thought it'd be cool to uh, sit down with him in his Los Angeles studio and get the down home skinny, the behind the scenes story on Jericho's iconic lighted jackets. You want to know about it? You're going to find out about it right here, right now. God gave rock and roll to you. Okay, so uh, I guess about three or four years ago, I decided I wanted to change uh, some things up with my uh, wrestling character, and I wanted to create kind of a new look and have a new outfit. And I found this guy. I'm in his studio right now. Jonathan Logan is here. And uh, together... Basically, we created the lighted jacket, which is what everybody wants to ask me about now. I've kind of screwed myself because if I don't go to the ring with a lighted jacket, I, I kind of like have nothing now. <laughs> you know, it well, was, at least you have a few. Uh, yeah, I have a few. Um, and I remember I had to track you down uh, online and we started talking about different ideas. How did we come across the lighted jacket part? Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I just finished working with uh, Justin Bieber. Yes. Right? So we had done a vest for him, mm -hmm. and it had lights in the back of it. Right. So I was pretty jazzed about that uh, whole idea of putting lights, but there weren't very many people that were you know, capable of carrying this big persona with a jacket that lit up. So yeah. you said, um, I'm, you said uh, I just want to look like a rock star. Mm-hmm. And I showed you the stuff I did for David Lee Roth, which had reflective stuff in it. Yes. And then I showed you the thing that I had done, the little vest that we had done for uh, Justin. And I think I had some lights um, that I showed you. And you go, really? What's that going to look like? And so I go, trust me? <laughs> yeah, because I remember originally my plan was I wanted to do something with distressed leather. Yeah. And then I found the uh, Alice Cooper picture where we had the jacket with all the studs right. on the side. And then you showed me the Justin Bieber and you, sh you had done something for Alicia Keys as yeah, well. Yeah, Alicia Keys and, and, um, and um, Swiss Beats. Yeah. So that was the jacket that I actually had a video of in right. action. So, yeah, you saw that and I think that kind of lit the I remember spark. saying that one has like eight or nine, eight or ten lights on it. Can you make one with like a hundred? You're like, of course I can. And so that was the first lighted jacket. Now, the thing is, you know, sometimes it's funny because you can see from time to time, and obviously people go nuts for it, but there are times when it malfunctions from time to time. And because these are prototypes, nothing like this has ever been made before. Yeah, no, it's absolutely uh, one of, and the technology, and I'm going to say it's technology because literally I hired a programmer to program the lights in your jacket for jacket one for the blue one yeah because they had those lights had to be synchronized wow that's right remember they dial up and they kind of animate in different speeds mm -hmm. in the pace yeah so yeah that was that was pretty intense to get all of them to work it was nearly 600 lights in that in just the first one yeah no, and, no, the first one. Yeah, no, the, the, I'm, I'm thinking of WrestleMania 28. Yeah, yeah, you're the first, the blue, there's jacket one, which is the blue one. Jacket two is the red one, yeah. and then there's jacket three, which is the LED one. So, yeah. how many lights were in jacket one? Do you recall? Hundred? Not exactly. There was more than a hundred because there's probably fifty on each 
leave and we didn't do yeah there's there's maybe a little bit more than 100 lights on there right so and we look back on it now and it's like it's it's quaint it's a quaint first jacket but at the time nobody had ever seen that before and people were flipping out i remember people were like where can we buy one of these can you sell them at the merchandise stand (laughs) i was like you guys don't get it man i paid more for this than i paid for like eight of my first car put together you know how long did it take you to make the first jacket um literally probably two months Mm -hmm. and the reason is you know that it took so long outside of the lights you know each sleeve on that first jacket has five different color metal studs totally covering the sleeve around those lights so you have five different color metal um, studs and then you have crystals laced all through there so i figured what was going to happen is that when you walked out i had no idea they were going to shut the lights off but I figured all the spotlights would hit you, mm-hmm. and before you turned on the lights, the crystals would animate. Gotcha. So that was my intent, to make it look like it was lit up even before it was lit up. So even when you turned the lights off, the crystals would animate all over the place. And, you know, I had actually made the jacket. It was ready for two weeks before I gave it to you because I was just trying to see it in every light. So I would take it and put it in direct sunlight and record it, see how the lights, because I wanted to tell you, you know, what sure, to expect. Sure, 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 sure. And so I kept it, and I kept it, and I wouldn't let anybody see it, and it was like, it was like one of the most awesome things I think that I'd ever made. Did you watch it that night when it debuted, or did you see it oh, on yeah. YouTube after? What would no. you think seeing it on TV? I thought, um, you know, I first, um, I had my kids look at it too. And yeah. We were like jumping all over ourselves, because, <laughs> you know, like it's, when you invent something and it works. Right. Yeah, because basically you said you invented this. I mean, we had the idea and we discussed it and kind of went back and forth as far as the design, but this is your invention. And yeah. it still hasn't been seen. There's been a couple people, like for example, when I see, I think it was CeeLo Brown maybe on a, on, a, on the Grammys last year or something like that, or, or maybe on a David Letterman show or something, I don't know. He had a jacket that had some lights on it. It's always like, oh, they, they got that from Jericho, a.k.a. from you. Yeah. You know, it still hasn't been very widely uh, used yet. No, well, part of the reason, it's like, you know, a Maserati. Mm. Everybody's not going to buy it. Yeah, that's right. You know, some some people think that they want it until they realize how much it actually costs. But then they don't realize how much work there is in it. You know, they have no idea that it is literally like building a little computer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's wearable art that has not, it's not widely done. Right, and we don't know, you know, sometimes if you move your arm to the left too fast, one of the wires might break or something like that. That that's just that happens. Yeah, you know, that's well, that's live show business. It's not like because you've done a lot of work on the movies in the movies yeah. too, right? Like, who who's some of the guys you've made stuff for in the movies? Uh, everybody, Tom Cruise, Nicolas Cage. Um, You're talking about Mark Wahlberg, Mark you just Wahlberg, made something. Yeah. I remember Brad Pitt was another one. Yeah. So uh, you're seeing that in the movies, and that's more like leatherware. It looks really cool. It's not this. There's R- nothing like this. Right. And if we were in a movie and one of the wires snapped or something, you just cut and then we take it again. Right. So sometimes, you know, you just got to go with the flow because it's live. Live action, yeah. Now, and I remember for when it came time for WrestleMania 28, I was like, you know, I, I like this jacket, but I want like, you know, three times the lights. And you're, you're like, well, we can do that. And you created jacket number two. 
Well, I never say no. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you're a businessman. Well, it's not just that. It's like the challenge of it. You know, mm-hmm. you always want to make something better than the last thing that you made, and you always want the person wearing it. Like I'm thinking. Okay, so everybody loved Chris in this jacket. So that's the Jericho jacket, right? So how do you top that? If you make something that's a dud, you know, and you yeah. go out in this jacket that's underwhelming, how do you, how do you live with that, right? Right, right. So I needed to make the jacket that was overwhelming, over the top, mm-hmm. just completely, you know, out of this world. So... I tried to make the galaxy. I figured, you know, that jacket <laughs> yeah. was the star, right? It's it's just like a beautiful sky seeing, you know, stars in the sky and all these mm-hmm. crystals are going off and everything. And I thought, now I'm going to make the galaxy, right? Right. So we made a moving a jacket that that animated the lights went on and off at a pace that could be alternated, it could be um slowed down, it could be made solid. It was just one of those things that we try to throw all the cookies into this jar, right? And uh, I felt pretty good when I when I brought that jacket to you. I I couldn't I couldn't stop grinning. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't. I usually like to be kind of you know understated, but I'm like, this is awesome. Well, you're I, an artist. I mean, you know, you're as much of an artist as as a Picasso would be or something. You're creating. Anytime you create something out of nothing, it's art. And that was an amazing piece of art. Which was funny because I remember at the WrestleMania, for whatever reason, I think people were trying it on earlier in the day. And something messed up where I remember turning it on right before I went out and it, the one side wasn't working. I was like, no! So I actually had to walk like with my right side to the camera oh. so people would notice. And I've told that story a few times. And you can see it, but no one, no one noticed it at the time. It's when you point it out, you can see it. Well, there were probably so many lights on you. Yeah. The crystals kicked in. See, there you go. That's the thing. Exactly. But that one, jacket number two, the wiring in that is insane. If people got to see inside of that, it looks like you took a bowl of spaghetti and throw it against the wall, and that's like just the beginning of how many wires there are in that. Well, it's, there's probably over 1,400 connections, soldered connections in that jacket. That's the problem with that jacket. <laughs> and to for someone to find the you know find the the short find the the wire that's broken it could be quite a task so yeah and it was because i remember it was getting really low and i had to send it to get repaired and it took like a good couple months to repair that jacket because number two we, you can't find which wire was either crossed or disconnected so we rewired the entire jacket Oh, I see. It was see. a complete rewire with different wiring. You know, we, we had used one type of wire for the first one. And then when you brought it back, it was like, oh, okay. Because the wires had been crossed. Cause sometimes it would snap. And then the, the WWE guys who were just, you know, amateur solderers, the, the kind of the, the, the special effects prop department, like this whole side went out. Okay, we'll put this, this. And they did their best to kind of like – triage in uh in in world war ii to stitch it back together to get out but it was it was messing up the entire framework of the jacket though yeah what happened was it probably you know there was a motherboard in that one too it probably fried it um but what what happened was we realized after making the third jacket that there was a specific type of wiring that's necessary for that so Mm -hmm. that you can actually move the wire can flex and bend and not break apart. 
Well, and, and that's kind of we're talking about the third jacket, which we almost got it today. It's it's such an incredible piece of work. It's all basically uh, on LEDs now. So the wiring, because the other ones, like people say, how does how does it charge up? It's with batteries, like double A batteries. You you pop them out, you stick them in. I, I had a show the other day, and I turned it on. It was totally dead. Put the batteries in, and it works again. This new one is a completely. It, it's like uh, going to space, whereas the first one was like a, 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 a car, yeah. you know? Yeah, this is the mother. The mothership of, of light-up jackets. Yeah, the mothership of light-up jackets and the motherfucker to try and get it to go. Well, <laughs> yeah, we um, literally invented this new way to use the RGBs on this jacket. Um, not meant for wearable art. I don't think there are mm -hmm. RGBs that are made specifically for wearable art. Uh, so it, it, it has taken a while to perfect it, and we have done a lot of trial and error on this jacket, and now it's at a point where it's not going to be difficult to repair. <laughs> yeah, you're saying that your, event. your assistant actually had to go to the hospital a couple times from so much wear and tear on this. That's what we were laughing about, right? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's... It caused a lot of stress because you want it to be right. Mm -hmm. Every time you do something, you, you don't want to fail. Right. You know, and when you think you have it and it's done and it's working perfectly and you spin around and you hang it up and you walk away and you come back the next morning and turn the lights on and the light didn't come on this time <laughs> and no one's touched it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you mentioned, it, it is a prototype. It's wearable art. Nobody's ever seen anything like this before. And I think what you made a great point is that this is, you know, it's, it's, it's more about challenging yourself and how can I get this to work and make it better than the last, which, which you have, because it's blowing my mind. We're looking at it right now as we're working out the kinks of it. And people have seen it a little bit. I wore it at SummerSlam, but it's definitely the most amazing of the three for sure. Yeah, now the lights are 40% brighter. <laughs> yeah, even better. With now 40% more brighter lights. Yeah. Uh, of, of all the stuff you've done, you mentioned you know, David Lee Roth, and now you're talking about doing some stuff with Billy Idol, and you did Bieber and Alicia Keys. Is this one of the best pieces of, uh, of, of art that you've made, of wardrobe? Uh, I think it is the biggest accomplishment for putting together something that's both fashionable, functional, and iconic, because... Mm -hmm. You know, when you walk out in that jacket, there's nobody else that can stand next to you in any type of garment mm -hmm. that's going to look better than this. It's a monument. You're right, though. It is iconic, and it has become that. I don't say that with any type of, of ego because we joked earlier, but this is part of the Chris Jericho character now. And even to the point where we were at one point where three of the jackets out of three were really on their last legs as far as needing repairs. And I did a show in Australia, and jacket number one just died. Really? So I actually had the bad guy go to the ring first and cut a promo on the fans and how he was going to jump the rail and beat up a fan. I had to run down and start fighting right away because I didn't have the jacket. If I didn't have an excuse on why I wasn't wearing the jacket, people would ask me. Ah, okay. It has become iconic. Yeah. You know, yeah, even to the point where I showed it to Paul Stanley. He's like, give me that guy's number. You know, even people in other, other bands are wanting to do this. So uh, I thank you for inventing this incredible piece of, of work. And uh, like you mentioned, man, it is iconic. And it's something that will be part of, of, of wrestling history and Jericho history for, for forever. And, and it's your invention, man, Jonathan Logan. Yeah, look at there. That's um, that's huge. Yeah, it'll go down in history. I love that. There you go, man. Thanks for being a genius. Thanks for uh, coming and finding me <laughs> so that I could actually exercise. That I had to make an appointment with you. Yeah. That's, I'm glad you answered my ad.
yeah. had you ever heard of me before? You know, actually, no. Right. I hadn't. But, you know, because of what I do, I'm, I'm not the guy that goes out all the time. And Sure. So I'm pretty much in the lab trying to make the next great thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't really get out much. You know, <laughs> so I have, I have clients that I, I know. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't know what they – I have a client right now who owns a, a football team. I couldn't tell you which football team he yeah, has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So – It doesn't matter. You're here to do a job and, and, and make it the best it can possibly be. Well, I'm, I'm trying to um, kind of answer the requests of everyone who wants the right. next great piece. And so yeah. if I can stay here and make that and send you out into the world – and when you shine, I think, you know. Everyone shines. I shine too. You do, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks, dude. It's my pleasure. All right. Thanks to Jonathan Logan, my partner in Lighted Jacket Crime. We drive each other nuts with all the issues that we have, with all the problems that we have with these jackets. But when they're uh, all said and done, it is worth it. That has become a very iconic thing for me. Uh, even when I was in Australia, like I said, I, I was against Bray Wyatt. My jacket totally pooped out and died, and I had to have him cut a promo where he was uh, threatening to beat up an audience member. And then just as he was climbing through the ropes, my music hit, and I ran down to the ring and cleared the ring out. So it was a good way to excuse the fact that I did not have the jacket. And I believe it was in Melbourne, maybe, or maybe it was in Perth. So you people in Perth last year in Australia that did not see my jacket, that is the reason why. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho. So I'm here with, with Tim Comerford from, from Future User, and it's great to, to meet you face-to-face, but I feel really bad because we've never met, and I was late. And the reason why I was late to get here is my last interview, I was at Gene Simmons' house. Wow. So, yeah, and as, you know, as, I don't even have to ask you, as a musician, obviously, Kiss fan? Yeah. Major Kiss fan? As so, a so? kid, I mean, they're the first band that gotcha. I ever loved. So Gene's house is like a Kiss museum. It's insane. Like he's got everything in there. Right? That doesn't surprise me. It, exactly. Everything. Everything. I'm not just talking a few things. Like there is counters and closets and uh, you know glass cases full yeah. of stuff. So we did the interview. That he's like, let me show you my house. And I was like, I got Tim, but I got I, my my rock and roll yeah. side. So, anyways, it was a really really cool uh, experience awesome. for you know musician Kiss fan ever. So yeah, man, it's good to it's good to have you. So you were a Kiss fan when you were a kid. I was. I mean, that was that picture on Kiss Alive 2 of Gene Simmons with the blood right. tongue to me was like, that's what inspired me. It was scary me. as a kid, though, right? It was. It just seemed like a monster, a <laughs> yeah. real life monster, you know, and I loved it. You this, know? The spitting blood coming out. I just love that picture. Yeah, to me, it always freaked me out. He looked like kind of like a big, like a, like a slug or something, just like this. Like vampire, like yeah. too much blood and just kind of spitting the rest was, of it out. You know, it was scary. For sure. <laughs> is it, who is that? Uh, a guy that influenced you to maybe to start playing bass? Um, I mean, that's when I started loving music. You know, mm. that was that was the first. And I had a my brother, my sister's husband at the time. Um, he bought me a bunch of Kiss records and my first like record player. And 
So those were my first records, were mm-hmm. you know the first Kiss albums, all the Kiss albums, actually, right up to like Destroyer, and uh, and that maybe inspired me to start loving music. But you know, I um, it wasn't until maybe seventh grade, and I was Zach, the singer of Rage. You right, know, I've been friends since we've been like little kids, uh-huh. third and fourth grade, and. Uh, and it was it was the Sex Pistols that ah. you know. Never mind the Bullocks and Sid Vicious took over where Gene Simmons left off for me. Wow, right? yeah, and which, which is so funny because it's Sid, not exactly the best of bass players. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. Glenn Matlock was playing bass. Yeah, he, he did a great Sid, job. Yeah, <laughs> did. Sid didn't even play on yeah. Bullocks. Right? Couldn't play. And yeah. I ended up getting like those recordings of like the one tour that they did with Sid, like in America, and. It just was noise. He, yeah, he couldn't play. Just rotten, right? He literally couldn't play. Like, didn't play anything that even resembled the songs. So I, I, why was he in the band? Because he was cool. He cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that, my friends, is the secret to rock and roll. Don't learn to play, just be cool, right? Yeah. The, the new project, though, and this is really killer, is Future User is the name of the band. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll talk about Rage and all the other great stuff you've done. But I love... It's it's it just came to my attention over the last month that you've become like almost like a viral sensation to start this band off with some of the videos that you've done and some of the techniques that you use some very uh, show business almost wrestling type qualities for some of the things you've done it, it, a very smart way to 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 start off a new band in this day and age and you've seen how the industry has changed over the oh, last yeah. since Rage began even till now for sure you got to do something different. Like, was this kind of one of the ideas why you did some of these things to start off Future User? Um, well, I mean, I, I think that, like, the videos sort of all, even though they're all about different topics, they all sort of are tied together mm. and with there's a theme. And uh, that's very, it reminds me of sort of, like, rock operas and, mm-hmm. like, that kind of thing and Tommy or, right. you know, something like that. And, um it uh, it also they also you know the art we have our artwork sort of tied together and I used to be a as a kid a big Maiden fan I was just so gonna like say Eddie, that you know yeah. it was like that whole the art that they used and how it was all like, you would you would look forward to the album cover oh, hell yeah. as much as you look forward to the actual music yeah. like, what's Eddie gonna be doing for this sure time, right for yeah. sure you know and uh, so like to kind of tap back into those influences that I had you know and try to bring them to light in today's world which like mm-hmm. you said is so, so different, different from than before. the world that I first came up in you know where record labels were a big you know you would go to your record label back in 1994 and it was like the biggest most beautiful building in Manhattan mm-hmm. and you're at the top floor and they had this you know they had millions of dollars that they were willing to just give you for nothing just, <laughs> they just would pump it into your band into making music you right. know, here's a million dollars whatever <laughs> and uh Nowadays, it's just you're in those same labels are Culver City, yeah, two people in a cubicle, you know? right? It's just the industry's gone. The record stores that I used to look forward to, and I would say, "Oh, this record's coming out on, you know, February third mm-hmm. and I would get down to Tower Records or the Warehouse or you know, Pure Records. There were these record stores. You used that to go down on the yeah, release day and wait in line, yeah, wait for the for, for the records wanted, to come out. You know? Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, it's weird. Is it, is it sad for you that when you think about that? No, it's not. No, I feel lucky that I was a part of that. Gotcha. I think it's uh, it's sad for bands that are now playing now. Yeah. But maybe they feel you know they have. It's a completely different way of looking at it, and so that's like that's part of the reason why I um, 
didn't want to like come right out from the start and just be like, oh, by the way, you know, I'm the guy from Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave and check out my new band, you know, mm. and kind of wanted to like build a little foundation and experience today's world in music. And, and you know, like when we played with Rage and we would play Al's Bar or Club With No Name or Club Lingerie or, you know, yeah. like little dives Raji's places like that <laughs> but there was a scene there was a bunch of different clubs you could play as a band for people to go see you was that you're talking about in LA was yeah, Rage in yeah, LA band yeah. yeah and so so we played those places and I remember getting to a show and there'd be a line like the place only held like a few hundred people and there'd be a line all the way down the street you know like yeah. whoa <laughs> like we're we're doing this yeah. it's happening we're huge you know, it's, it's, we're big exactly yeah. and nowadays I mean there are clubs where bands play but there's not as many clubs here in LA as mm-hmm. there were back then, and you know, and and nowadays it's club YouTube, you know. So back to what you're wow. saying, it's like good point. That's sort of what I and that that line down the street is that little number in the corner of your screen. That is a great point, man. Yeah. Now you're judging, like you said, you'd pull up to the club and see, oh, it's how long is the line? It's three or two, three, two, three blocks. Yeah. Now it's like, what numbers do we do? Exactly. How much is the jump? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And when your line was down the street back in 1994, record labels were knocking at your door. And yeah. When your number is huge in 2015, record labels are knocking at your door. You know. Did you do this album independently? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a we have a distribution. I've I've you know did a deal with a distribution mm-hmm. outfit. You know, Cobalt. And, gotcha. But yeah, so so how long how long is have like let's say what was the first was the first one Clockwork was that the first mm-hmm. video? How long has it been up for? I'm not sure exactly how long that's been. I want to say we've been putting out music for like six months or something like so that. So what's the number on Clockwork? Not that big. I mean, okay. like, it's not that big. I think we have 100,000 hits or something like Which that. Which is it's still pretty pretty good. I mean, it's not, obviously, it's not yeah. like, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, Justin Bieber levels of 150 no. million, but yeah. still 100,000. I mean, it should be because, oh, you know, John yeah. McEnroe is getting waterboarded. Well, let's talk about this. I mean, and this is not a joke. This is not some kind of like a special no. effect. You actually waterboarded. Oh, yeah. Yes, John McEnroe. For sure. Now, kind of a random thing. How did this come about? He's a you know he's a good friend of mine, and you know we have a, a mutual love of training and cycling, and and you know just. Pain. And John's a guitar player too, right? He is. Musician. He yeah. Love. He's a actually plays music, but he also knows music. Gotcha. He's, he knows music. Like right. He know he can. He, you start talking about music with him, and he knows guys in bands that I don't know. Yeah, know? right. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's really intelligent on that level. And uh, so anyways, he comes out, we train, and I ride my bike. Like, that's my true passion is, like, it, I've been riding every day for 20 years. Really? Yeah, it's a... You know, last last year I did a million feet of climbing vertical. You know, it's like sixty miles in the sky, like wow, beyond where the space shuttle flies. <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, he started I, when I saw I met him at an audio slave show, and and then I saw him at a restaurant, and I was like, hey man, we met at, at audio slave show with Tim. You know, play bass. Oh yeah, he's like, yeah, what's up? You know, and we, you know, kind of, he was super personable, and he was with his family and. Took time. I thought maybe he was going to be a dick because he, you know, his attitude. Because <laughs> that was kind of his yeah. reputation yeah. too, right? Yeah, I figured he might be, and he wasn't. And we talked, to, and I was like, "Well, you know, what are you into?" I was like, "Oh, cycling." He's like, "Oh, so am I, man. You want to ride?" And I was like, "Yeah, hmm. you should ride." He's like, "Well, let's go tomorrow." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I think he thought he was going to kick my ass because <laughs> right? he's Mac, you know. Yeah. And uh, he didn't, <laughs> and, and I like put the hurt to him. Yeah. And and since then, every time he's in town, he's got a place. And I live in Malibu, and he's mm-hmm. got a place out there. 
And every time he comes to town, we, we ride every day, you know, mm -hmm. every day that he's there and we train all the time. And, and, uh, I torture him <laughs> every day, you know? And I also, oddly enough, he never brings water. He always wants me to carry water because I have like a camel back. <laughs> so I, I wear my camel. You're the water back. boy. Any reason, anything he can do to like be lighter and be able to go. Sure, a I'd mess with you a little have, bit. You know, can you hold my jacket in your camel back? And can you leave <laughs> my tennis shoes in there and and the water and extra water for me? And, and so I end up with like a forty pound pack, and he's got nothing. <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, we get to the top, and we'll always get to the top, and he'll go, "I need water," and then he like lays on the ground. And I like pour, I, with my thing, I take the little nipple off my camel back and I get over him and I like feed him water. And I've, I've been doing that for lovingly, years. Lovingly. I've been waterboarding him for years. <laughs> so when, it, when the opportunity presented itself to like sort of make a video and we thought about an idea and like I, at that time I was pretty upset about the whole Guantanamo Bay thing and I still am. I think mm. it's just bullshit. I think, mm. you know, you know I'm, not, I'm not a proud American for, for, about like the treatment of, of the prisoners you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, not cool. Like right. 800, we put like, since 9-11, we put like 880 people, I think, in Guantanamo Bay. And mm. only seven of those people have been charged with any crime. Mm. And only one of those people has actually been convicted of a crime. Really? So we have put 800 people, and some of those people, there's still like 250 people that are still in there with no charges that goes so, against the entire concept of what America is. Well, that's right? why we went to Cuba, and that's why we we have these wow. detention camps in unscrupulous you know, areas. Of I don't even want to call Cuba that because Cuba's kind of kind of sure, great. But sure. we have we have t detention camps in Afghanistan, in Cuba, and in all these places, you know. And hmm. that's where we can escape the the, the, the rules. laws and rules, right. you know. And so that's just that's always just pissed me off, you know. And and. So I thought about, okay, we need to make a video about that. And, and then we sort of coupled that idea with, the, with police brutality, which was, has also been something that's pissed me off for a long time. Mm -hmm. And this was all pre-Ferguson. You know, this was before that went down. And right. we made this video. And I talked to John, and I'm like, I want to make this video, and I'm wondering if you want to be a part of it. And he's like, he's like sure, well, you know, well, what's it about? And I'm like, it's, about, it's going to be a human rights thing. It's going to, you know, I'm going to shed light on some of these things that we're doing to people around the world, whether it be police or in Guantanamo Bay. And I'm going to, I want to stage a tennis match with you and have you dressed in orange and ultimately put a black hood on your head, just the same as a Guantanamo Bay detainee. And, and then I'm going to, I want to waterboard you. And he's like, what's waterboard? Well, explain what waterboarding is. Uh, waterboarding is, uh, it's a, it's a table that's at an angle where your, your head will be at the low point and you take a, a towel and you just you know you're you're strapped down to the table so you're you can't move and you take a towel and you put it over the person on the table's face and and over their eyes and then you pour water on it it's as simple as that you know mm. you get a little gardening bucket and you just start to douse the towel with water and the angle of the the person and the 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 wet towel simulate drowning mm. so you you feel like you're drowning and you kind of are, you know, but it, you, you survive, you know. So just and, at the last moment, they stop pouring the water on well, you? Well, yeah, or they go, and sometimes people pass out, and, you know. And, so it's basically, it's torture. Oh, it yeah, is yeah, torture, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's like, it's, it's horrible, you mm -hmm. know, and um, we do it. We do mm -hmm. it all the time, along with 
horrible other things, you know, like we've, we've all seen the pictures of Abu Ghraib and yeah. guys on top of boxes with electrodes on them and dogs. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is, this is what we do to people in America, you know? And, uh, and so I, um, asked John to, to do that. And I, and he said, well, the first thing out of his mouth was like, Hey man, he goes, a lot of those people that are in Guantanamo Bay deserve to be there. And I was like, you know what? You're probably right. Mm-hmm. There are. But there's also a lot of those people that don't deserve to be there. Right. And, without know, a trial, without yeah. a charge. I yeah, don't even know which is which. A ton of those people that are still there today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I go, and that's what I want to try to like shed light on. And I said, it's a human rights thing, man. So let's do this. And he's like, all right. you know. And so we agreed. He agreed to do it. And I did it. And like you said, I really did waterboard him. I, I really did build the table to the specs that I... You built your on. own waterboard. Yeah, it's in the video. You see me yeah. building it. You know, I built, oh, okay. the, built the table and um, perfect specs, all that. Added a couple of my own like features to make it a little bit better. Like I put these wood, like pieces of wood on either side of his head to keep his head from turning from one side to the other. So I like really pinned him down making it better as in a more of a torture uh, yeah, device better waterboard <laughs> you're honing the whole waterboard concept <laughs> i did i made a better waterboard and i waterboarded him on that and and one thing i did i zip tied him to the ta- to the table and also duct taped him to the table. wow man that's heavy up. yeah i went for double yeah double measures you're making sure he's not yeah. escaping yeah he wasn't moving and you should have uh, called bjorn borg or somebody and went hey <laughs> he i got macaron a table how much are you gonna pay me <laughs> he would have been come sad. on down here <laughs> they love each other now though, okay yeah, they yeah. Do. <laughs> you would have a line back in the day borg there, is right? cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're actually doing this procedure yeah wow. I, but i one thing i did do is i gave him a hammer and like his hands were tied below the table and i said here's a hammer and if it gets really bad drop the hammer Oh, okay. You know, if it, let me know by dropping the hammer. Right. It's really bad. And so I would just waterboard him until he dropped the hammer. I did it. I would just, that's what wow. I did. I was like, okay, that's going to be my signal that things are going to That's gonna your bad. safe word. Yeah. yeah. And so I would go until he dropped the hammer. And then I went further every time. I would go like probably 30 seconds or 45 seconds after that. And just why? Because I wanted it to, I wanted him to really feel it. Feel it. You right. know, and. And you can see that all in the video. Like when I would pull, sometimes I pull the towel off of his head and he like comes up and he's just literally gasping for air. And while that's happening, I, I pour more water like down his throat and stuff and just really tortured him. And so afterward, I brought like a six pack of beer, you know, for the, we, I waterboarded him for a couple hours and, um, <laughs> then we have a couple beers yeah, after. Yeah. I brought a six pack <laughs> of beer for like the cameraman. Hey dude, you want to come waterboard for a bit? There. Yeah, sure. And, and, uh, we, you know, we broke out the beers afterwards, some Duvel, you know, it was just good beer, you know, nice and strong, one <laughs> yeah. bottle and you get hey, drunk. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and we were drinking the beers and John was just sitting at the other side of the, like the kitchen counter and he just like had his he- head in his, in his arms and he wasn't like drinking the beer. He was just kind of like laying there with his head down and I'm, and I was, John, what's up? And finally he like lifts up his head and like he's visibly shaken, crying mm-hmm. and like having a hard time like controlling himself and he's like, you know, with dude, what's wrong? He's like, dude. He's like, that was, that was horrible. He's like, that was the one of the worst things I've ever done. And he's mm-hmm. like, and no, and no one should ever have to go through that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, awesome, dude. That's exactly what I wanted you to say. Mm-hmm. And now you can speak from experience on something that's that we do. Wow, me. right. Yeah. It's one of those things. Yeah, talking about it, 
and experiencing it. Anybody that says, oh, waterboarding, this, that, anything, not that anybody would ever. Oh, yeah, I could handle it, you know. Yeah, right. And you know what the thing is, too, about that? Like, even though you guys are, are, are buds, you still, I'm sure, in the back of his mind, especially when he drops the hammer and you still keep going, it's like, there comes a point where you're like, is he going to kill me? Like, or is he, is he, is he going to, you know oh, what I mean? Like, you don't oh, know if for sure. If he seen me, it's a good thing I had a mask on, yeah. which I did have on. I have this, I have my swim mask on, uh-huh. you know, my character. And, uh, but I was cracking up. <laughs> I was literally hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that's the thing, too. You played a character in this. Did you not want people to know that it was your band right off the bat? Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, I didn't want to use Rage or Audio Slave to get... There's a lot of baggage there, right? Yeah, and yeah. I wanted to be able to create a foundation and have music. And I knew that this is an electronic kind of prog rock thing. And I love prog rock. That's what I grew up on. And... and, and um, I knew that there was going to be haters, and I just wanted to give the haters more than one thing to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, when I finally did say, hey, this is me, and I feel like I did it in a pretty creative way in our Mm. Mountain Lion video, then it it gave people the opportunity, oh, well, I hate this song, so I'm going to go back and see what else I hate. (laughs) Right. It's amazing, too. Like, even, like, you know, I have a band. We've been doing it for about 10 years. We've done really well, but it's still, even to this day, but more when we started, it's like, oh, is that the wrestler band? Oh, how good can it be? He's a wrestler. How good can it yeah, be? Yeah. Never mind not even realizing that I've been playing a band since I was 12 years old. Yeah. Much like you. It's like I'm Maiden yep. and, you know, Metallica and all that sort of yep. thing. But when you are known for one thing, there's a real tendency from people to not want to give it a chance. It's like, are you Rage Against the Machine guy? Oh, come on. I want to hear Rage Against the Machine and nothing else. Yep. You know, it comes with this baggage of here's the, For sure. here's the Rage guy. Yep. So that's actually a pretty interesting, uh, it's a very wrestling-esque trick to do that. Right on. What was your character's name? Swim. Swim. Yeah, swim. I, I go on these like illicit drug forums a lot and uh, they tell you how to make like hallucinogens out uh-huh. of like household things like banana peels and stuff insane stuff (laughs) and uh the people on those forums they all talk about well swim told me that you can cook up banana peels and mix in some some dawn liquid dish soap and and you know cook it in the oven for five minutes and make like a hallucinogen and um and i was like who the hell swim like i kept seeing swim and then i saw it like where i could click on swim and it said you know the, the the website that was like we on this website we highly discourage the use of swim someone who isn't me some ah someone as, who isn't know, me. on this one so that's what it means someone who's in me and i'm like swim that's, that's perfect great. man that's it's almost the new version that. of they well they told yeah. me this who's they well it's them yeah and it's yeah. swim yeah that's it <laughs> so that was the character swim the swim. masked man someone swim. who isn't me yeah and you revealed yourself in, in the mountain lion video yeah yeah was that the second video or that's the, the fourth video the fourth video so it was yeah. time to reveal yeah yeah was the word out that it was maybe possibly you no, behind this? No, no one knew. No, no, it was, it was pretty. I was surprised, but that never happened. In this day and age, you think yeah. someone would have leaked it or something, yeah. huh? Now the, the swim video, also too, is this? The, that's the one where you lit yourself on fire. Lit myself on fire, yeah. And this is another real, yeah. <laughs> now, Tim, let me ask yeah. you, how do you light yourself on fire? Um, wow, you, what did you do? Get an expert, you know, get yeah. somebody who knows how to do it. And there's only really one guy. Like, well, First of all, why did you light yourself on fire? I just felt like it was symbolic of the the video that the video was for a song called Mountain Lion. Right. And that video is about PEDs. Mm-hmm. And I'm a pretty passionate guy. I'm a sporting sort of guy. Yeah. And I have, I have opinions about that whole thing. And... I'm also friends with 
Pete, with Pete Lance. Pete's performance enhancing yeah, drugs. Yeah, performance enhancing drugs. Good friends with Lance Armstrong. Yeah. From the biking thing. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And so uh, I just, I, I felt like lighting myself on fire was sort of symbolic of, of what these, some of these pro athletes might be doing when they decide to take performance enhancing drugs and get mm. caught. <laughs> you know, they, they're sort of burning themselves. Mm. But I don't believe in it. I believe that it's a golden distraction for the powers that be to get us to focus on, oh, like, God, I can't believe Barry Bonds is is doing steroids or what's up with Lance or whatever. You know, I, I feel like, you know, if you broke the world down into categories, the sporting fan category would probably be the biggest one, man, woman, and child. You know, it would be a huge category. Mm-hmm. And for a politician, say George Bush in like 2005 when State of the Union, when he decided to talk about doping in baseball as if it was something that we Americans should be concerned with. Right. And that was more important than some of these other horrible issues that are happening in America. Mm. And it just, it, it's always bothered me. It's to me, it's just like, come on, let's get to the real issues. Let's talk about the real drug war. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. the heroin problem in America and the, the prisons that are overcrowded and, and the money that private companies will make off of those prisoners and like shit like that, mm-hmm. you know, that's real. And, you know, kind of a little bit irrelevant when you're talking about if someone's taking, you know, some kind of a, what was it? Mark McGuire was taking the, I can't remember what the name of the drug was, but it was like, you could buy that at GNC. Yeah. And and that's the thing. There's a fine line between a vitamin and a steroid, you know? Yeah. yeah, and yeah. It, when is coffee going to be banned? It's, Good point. You know, it's going to happen. Well, it's to say, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I don't smoke weed, but I have no idea why it's not legal. I mean, you can buy alcohol in a store. You can buy tobacco. Well, it is legal. You can go to Colorado. Well, yeah, in certain yeah. states, right? But in certain states, it's not. In certain yeah. states, they'll still yeah. put you yeah. away for whatever. Yeah. And that's the thing. I always wonder, like, what 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 is the definition between one drug, let's say tobacco, which th- hundreds of thousands of people a year die from, yep. and marijuana, which not, not a lot of people die from smoking marijuana. Yeah, no. But this is illegal, and this is not. Though I am, you know, I don't smoke weed anymore. Yeah. But man, I did for many years a lot on a high level, and I used to be able to go toe to toe with like Be Real from Cypress Hill. We go right, to okay. and like break out the, the four foot bong. I'm, yeah, I'm going toe to toe with you, Cheech and Chong, all yeah, the no way. Problem. Right, and um, I don't blaze up anymore, and. I was getting into a lot of car wrecks. Really? Oh yeah, I was rear-ending people. Oh yeah, rear-ending people, just running into people in parking lots, and just like all was the time. Was it affecting and your attention span or something? Or were you not keeping I, I an eye on the ball? I just think like I, you know, I would look down at something, and it just it slowed my reflexes or something like that. Okay, know? yeah, yeah. And and I quit smoking weed like three years ago. And I haven't gotten in one wreck. Interesting. I, even got, I got my first ticket yesterday for driving. I was using a cell phone. I was driving ah. my wife's car. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't figure out how to hook the cell phone up to the Bluetooth. <laughs> they busted And I got caught. And, That's and, one of the most lamest things to get a ticket for, too. It better right? not be a moving violation. <laughs> it better not be. Right. I swear to God. Is, it, is it in the state of California? I don't know. Wow. I, I hope not. Stacy's saying no. My producer says Okay, you're, well, that's you're, great. Okay, so you're that's fine. That's great. It's just a misdemeanor fine. Awesome. Yeah, cool. That's great. Okay. I can afford that. <laughs> 50 bucks, yeah. Tim. But so, so, so go ahead. 
I forgot what we were talking. No, about. We, were, we were talking about the performance-enhancing drugs and and, and is, how important is it and, and why you let yourself on fire. Yeah, and like for I the said, mountain lion. That, like it was it was symbolic of these people that have taken this. Okay, so and, so but okay, so we talked about that. But how did you light yourself on fire? So there was one well, guy. Well, I took a. Um, they take this uh, like cold, real cold, like stuff that's like pancake, and they like you could like roll it out with a rolling pin, uh-huh. and they you, they make it real thin, and then they just slap it on your body and mold it over your skin and get it in your ears and in your eyes and your nose. It's clear and it's um, super cold. And the night that I did that was a pretty cold night. And so I was cold. Uh, It was like going into the ocean with a bathing suit on in the middle of winter time for two hours. I mean, I was cold to the bone. And so that, you know, my nerve, any nerves that I had about being on fire were quickly Quelled by the breeze that I was feeling, and I wanted to. I wanted to Warm, be warm. warmth. Yeah. So like, I just, I kind of had an attitude of like, hey, look, I got metal plates. Like, I crashed on my bike. I have a couple metal plates in my head. I have a cadaver hamstring tendon in my shoulder. Wow. I just had back surgery three weeks ago. You You're know? bionic, man. I, I am, <laughs> and I'm a believer in orthopedic surgery. But yeah. like, uh, I've had my fair share of road rash and stitches and. I've gotten to a point where I go to the emergency room and I'm sort of a local at the emergency room. <laughs> they know me and it's like Norm on Cheers. No, no painkillers. Just stitch me up Rambo style. Like, yeah. just do it. And they, we can't do that. If I even flinch, then you can give me a painkiller. And I've sat through it all. And so, like, I felt like getting burned and the the burn that I might get from the fire. It's it's going to be maybe a a bad second or yeah, second yeah. degree burn. And you've got guys waiting around, obviously, to yeah, put you they'll out put you stuff. out. But yeah, you know, exactly. you, you know, you're, you know, you're going to maybe get burned, and, right. but it can't be as bad as some burly road rash, yeah. which turns into like beef jerky on yeah, your arm, right. you know. Yeah. And so I sort of had the, that attitude of it can't be worse than what I've already felt. So how did it feel? I got burned under the arm, you know, I got burned under my arm and it, sure enough, it was like, you know, it was red and kind of bumpy for, you know, a couple weeks or something like that. And it was a little sore, but, um, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It was, Mm -hmm. it was all right. It, it was was powerful. It felt great. Wow. Dude, how about watching it back? I'm into it, you know. I, there was a lot of we had like like are you completely engulfed? I haven't seen mountain lion. Yeah, no shirt on, no nothing, nothing wow. on. It's what's called a skin burn. And the guy who did it was like, dude, you. I just want to let you know that like I've never. This is the most skin I've ever done, and you're the first person that's not a stunt man that I've done this. Wow, to, you know. Wow, like, you should be proud of yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, cool. Awesome. cool. So yeah, it was. Um, it was cool. It was. It felt good, you know. And it. And he told me he's like, you're not going to be able to look down. Probably the fire's going to go in your face. But I somehow was. And mm, there's a crazy, couple man. scenes in there, like a couple shots that are just, I think, are just magic. And it's cool. It looks good. You know. Um, and you were talking because I know Lance Armstrong is in that video, and we're talking about the PEDs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it is kind of interesting to me how quickly America wants to jump on somebody for doing something mm-hmm. wrong, whatever. But I see Lance Armstrong like, okay, PEDs, whatever, blood doping, whatever it was. What about all the good stuff? I mean, this guy is like... $500 million for cancer. That's what who I mean. Who else has done that? And and the, the guy that people who have cancer can look up to is a guy who beat it, raised yeah. the money. There's so you know many I mean? people that are alive today. Because, because of, of Lance Armstrong. For sure. 
and not have hope. Up. It's not about the bike. Right. It's like, I guarantee you there's thousands and thousands of people that have survived because, you know, when you, when you're convinced that you're going to survive, that's the best medicine. Yeah. You know, and that's he, right. That's the medicine he gave people. That's right. For a long time. And not to mention, like I said, the $500 million that he didn't have to raise. He could have just got his yellow jerseys and collected his yeah. multi-millions of dollars and just chilled and bought cars and lived in mansions and just yeah. done his thing. But he started Live Strong and did that. And I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to forget that. And I'm always going to remind people of that. And that's that's something that... Again, I can't think of anyone else who's done that. You know, like I said, people want to jump on it and, 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 and you know, dethrone. But you look at a guy like, say, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the greatest yeah. bodybuilder of all time. Yeah. Guess what, guys? He was on steroids oh, the whole time. Sure. He's the greatest yeah. bodybuilder of all yeah. time. And we love – we both train. Okay. Arnold yeah. is still one of the guys you look go and go, oh, my gosh, that's the guy for physical fitness. And oh, still is. Lab rat. Yeah. And he became Be- governor. That's right. Give me a break. Yeah, you know? exactly. And if you watch Pumping Iron, you know, he was blazing up. Yeah, you exactly. Know, come on. It's so, like- right, you know, exactly. It, it is interesting to me. And I, I heard that the other day, Tom Atlanta, Armstrong, something rather. And it's like, yeah, you guys are really stretching here. Well, we, we live in America. Where yeah. It's, we're a news media based country. Yeah. You know, like we want good, we want drama in our yeah. news. And, but and Dennis whether, Miller- it's, whether it's, we got a big rain cloud coming in. Look, get ready for the storm that's going to hit. Like they make it seem like it's yes. this big deal and it's nothing, you know? And, and for Lance, it's like, here, here we go. We put this guy up on a pedestal and now we get to tear him down. And yeah. It, it's big news. You know? There's, um, I Dennis Miller said it once, it's called schadenfreude or schadenfreude, something like that. It's a German word, which basically it means that people like seeing other people fall. You know, we're looking for that schadenfruit of everybody. For sure. Uh, Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com. T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N dot com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So I'm here with, with Tim Comerford from Future User. He's been talking to you. Obviously, you have a lot of opinions, which are, that's kind of always the bands that you've been in have had that vibe. I mean, you talk about Rage Against the Machine when you guys came out. It was the political band and yep. very polarizing. You know, if you're not the right... Like, I'm not a political guy. I just like music, right? Yeah. But... I'm that guy too, by the way. You know? Okay, like, right. I, 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 I've become more passionate about politics, but I also, I, I started off as just just the rock guy. The now Tom is the same too, but Tom's very political. But yeah. Tom's also, you know, the biggest Kiss fan in the world, the total yeah. metal guy. Yeah. And you mentioned that you grew up with Zach. Mm-hmm. When you hooked up with Tom, was there a political element, or was it just that's just the way it went? Because Zach's very political too, at least lyrically. Yeah, well, I mean, Zach wrote the words. Right. Zach wrote every word for Rage Against the Machine, and so that, that those words and all those topics like that the, came from that's him, the belief you know, right you know? and tom just happened to be a guy who graduated from harvard in political science you know <laughs> it's sort it sort of worked out and then brad and myself we we just became students you know and just absorbed you, you can't be in a band with with tom Morello and zach LaRosha and not have some of that rub off on you oh yeah right no way but let's talk a little bit more about but the my, my favorite thing about rage against the machine which sometimes gets forgotten about um and i'm not just saying this because you're here is the groove of that band is 
incredible. And Audio Slave too. You and Brad. Yeah. One of the greatest rhythm sections oh, dude, of man. that time frame. Maybe even the groove in the pocket. It's so like you just want to punch somebody. You know. Yeah. What, what, what um, it, was that an element because you were playing with Tom, who's doing so many crazy guitar histronics and all that sort of thing? Maybe. I mean, like maybe. But Brad and I, we were lucky that we we shared. Um, common like influences and um common musical chemistry yeah when we got together we we we're huge like rush fans you know mm. again rush was a band that I, you were in I, rush's documentary right yeah the that, yeah, yeah. I, I loved yeah. rush and that was that was unbelievable that i was in that that, that was, was great like, yeah it just it all came together <laughs> i can't remember what you said too but your bit was good i talked about getty's nose <laughs> as a tool to move the microphone <laughs> <laughs> and that, might have, that may have helped him be able to play keyboards <laughs> right. and sing. You right, because he can move it around with those, yeah. Appendage <laughs> on his face. But um, Brad and I had these common musical interests and influences, and we would play a lot. And we, I just, he was really, he's really the only drummer that I've played with. I mean, I've played with other drummers, but like he's the main, he's, I spent 20 years playing with him. So I could recognize the look in his face when he was about to do something mm. or the way he held his body when he was going to hit a cymbal and that body language became part of the groove, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so it was, it made it easy. Okay, well he's going to slow down here, but like, I know exactly when, because I can tell by the way he, his right. eyes. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you guys write songs, uh, the three of you or were they Tom's songs? No, we wrote as a band. We mm. like, there's not, we have never been in a band that somebody writes Here's the, the song. songs. Yeah. No, I would never be in a band like that. Mm -hmm. It's always been a, an equal, an equal share. And, um, it always starts organically from one riff mm -hmm. or one drum beat or, you know, one thing. And like within future user, it's like could be a keyboard loop or a, uh, a drum loop or a, a sound effect, a movie soundtrack sound effect or something like that. But to start music, we've always sort of started it from one thing and gone, that's awesome. Yeah, that yeah. sounds cool. And then here check this out i'm gonna play this oh that's cool and then it just it grows and it becomes whatever it is and is it fun for you to do something a little bit different with future user because audio slave and rage both great bands but similar similar bands with different singers yeah. future user a you're the singer yeah which is something different yeah. and b like you said there's some edm electronic elements oh, yeah. element is it, is it kind of fun to kind of do a little bit more uh oh, for sure yeah. i mean i love like like i keep saying prog rock to me electronic music is the new prog rock like, yeah in that the computer is the ultimate musician right that thing can do stuff that human beings cannot do yeah and i love that you know, I think that's neat. And these, some of these sounds that I hear, it, that I'm blown away. I'm like, wow, listen to that. You know, I wish I had 25 <laughs> fingers. I could play that. You yeah, know? exactly. But or at least a, a bigger nose. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And uh, so it's fun to be able to, to play with the ultimate prog rock musician that is the Apple computer or mm, whatever computer wow, you're using. You know? cool, and yeah. So that's, with Future User, that's been really neat. And also to, to I've never even been in a band that has keyboards. And the guy, Jordan, that I'm playing with, he's a keyboard freak, and he's got all these like old vintage analog synthesizers and stuff that I grew up on. Yeah. You know, the mini Moog and right. the Taurus pedals. and Taurus the, pedals. Yeah, the ARP. You know, these synthesizers <laughs> that are like 
Awesome. I remember awesome. I used to listen. Obviously, Geddy Lee used it, but I used to listen to this band called Raven. It was like John Gallagher, oh, yeah. bass vocals, yeah. and Taurus pedals. <laughs> I was like, "What is that? Yeah, I want to try the that." The police used them too. Yeah, yeah. right, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, police used them. It was, too. it was a three-piece thing. Yeah, if you're in a three-piece, you had to play Taurus. Badass sound. You can't. You can't measure up to that. As do a you bass play those with your with your with your feet? Play with people, but I, I actually bought them to play with my hands. They don't, oh. they don't like the cut off on them. They don't cut off quick enough. I, I when I initially bought because I brought the Taurus pedals in. Jordan didn't have the Taurus pedals. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And um, I brought them in when I initially bought them. I thought, okay, I'm gonna take these things and I'm gonna put them on top of an amplifier, uh-huh. and I'm gonna just play them like with my fists and just like <laughs> play them like that. Like and, a xylophone just, with your hands. Yeah. And come up with some just funky stuff and it's just going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know? But they don't, they don't react, they are slow to the cutoff isn't. They don't quite, have the action. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. And you have to, you can't play two notes at one time. It's only one note at gotcha. a time. Just like okay. a mini Moog, you know. And uh, so anyways, it's got this sound though, a really recognizable sound. And yeah, there's plugins that you can get that have the Taurus pedal sound or something, but it's just not the same yeah, as yeah. detuning the oscillators in an <laughs> analog synthesizer to make it kind of sound badass, you know? And we use that on our music. And, and it's neat to be able to take something like that and get it modified so that you can, you know, send it to MIDI and then you can see it on a computer and then you can really mm. create what I tried to create with my hands, but with the computer. You're doing you know? it digitally. It's yeah. neat, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so that's what we've been doing is just... How about vocally? Have you ever sang before? Well, I sang with Audio Slave. You know, I did a lot of backgrounds. Yeah, I had, that's a blessing to be able to sing and try to harmonize with Chris Cornell. Wow, Are you kidding me? no that kidding, was right? Beautiful. You yeah, know? and I learned a lot from that. And he's an amazing. He's just an amazing great singer. singer. Yeah. yeah, and so I did that for seven years, and and then I did my what I like to call the angry parrot in rage. <laughs> <laughs> I just get to scream out like burn and die, and <laughs> so I. Um, that must be crazy too, because that song everyone goes nuts oh, dude, to be able to sing that, and everyone's just like. <sighs> I mean, the whole show is nuts, but yeah. it's all leading to that. That's and we, yeah. we never put that song first yeah, or in the yeah. middle of the set. or an that's extended like, version. Yeah, that's or... the last song, <laughs> and that's the that's the most intense. Song. Yeah, and that's what people are there for. You know, yeah. that's what they want to do is say fuck you. I won't do it. Too. It's such like a. Yeah. I mean, that's a song. You want to punch somebody, and that's the alt in a good in a good way or a bad way. I mean, I've never heard a song with that much aggression. Yeah, you know, I'm talking thrash metal. It's hard to beat that. It's hard to beat that lyric. Yeah, come on. Is that Zach's lyric? Yeah. Yeah. And what do you what can you say that's harder than that? Yeah. It's hard to, to you, you know. When you guys wrote that song, you mentioned you guys get together and jam. When you came up with that, it was like, oh, what were you thinking? Like, oh, this is Oh, dangerous. yeah. I mean, he, Zach used to be in this band called Inside Out. And it was like a hardcore band. And I, uh-huh. I love hardcore music. It's like, it's a, a form of music that, like, I don't think ever really saw the light of day, you know? Yeah. And I love Very underrated. A lot of great yeah, hardcore bands. Like, uh, maybe Helmet was like the biggest mm. hardcore, the band that had like a hardcore Yeah, had that style, you yeah. know? And, um, I love that kind of music. And Zach was in this band called Inside Out, and they did a lot of, like, just where he would just scream, like, screaming his guts out. And I was like, I loved it. Yeah. Loved it, you know? And yeah. then when we started playing with Rage, it initially was just hip-hop. And then, I mean, at, at some point in time, I mean, he, he makes his own decisions, but I remember going, dude, you got to scream, mm. you know? You need to scream, because that shit is awesome, you know? Right. And then he started doing that, and... That to me was when it really like, it you know, 
solidified as like we're something crazy is going on right yeah now, this you know? is something big the the fuck you i won't do what you tell me was just the cherry on top you know? <laughs> <laughs> the f you on top yeah. <laughs> how, what was the how was it you mentioned singing with chris cornell and also yeah. zach and chris yeah. both very powerful vocalists but yeah. in different ways yeah what was the how was that to kind of switch from the aggression to like this amazing kind of more of a, almost a classic metal singer in a lot of ways yeah well i mean it was how was it just as a concept? I mean, it's a very... We've never seen that before. Here's a big band who gets the singer of another big band, and it's like this super group type thing, but it's you guys were the unit. Was it hard for Chris to come in with you guys? Um, no, I, I, I think it worked out. I mean, we, I'm glad that we... I know it's from, from my perspective as a bass player, it's like I, my bass playing is so drastically different on Audio Slave Records than it is on Rage oh. Records, for sure. You know, it's like... Now, why is that? Because I tried to listen to the vocal melody and I gotcha. tried to complement the vocal melody as much as I could and still stay heavy and rock, you know. And so I. That's a good point. You You're know. playing more with the singer. Yeah. Which and that, would be the bands style. I love, you know, whether it be Absolutely. Rush or, or The Police, you yeah. know, the, those, the bass players of Singer, where yeah. the bass lines complement the vocal melody. Gene and yeah. Gene's vocals, yeah. yeah. So it's. it's uh, I, I wanted to do that, you know, and I still listen. I just heard Like a Stone the other day on the radio. Great yesterday. Tune. And yeah, it is a great song. And I, I listened to it and I went, man, I wish I could have just listened to it a few more times. I would have done some slight. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I would have changed it a little bit and just. But that's, that's an artist for you, though. Yeah. Always want to make it better. Yeah. yeah. You know, last thing you want to do is pull a George Lucas and like change everything in your movies when you redo it. Right. Yeah. yeah. At the time, it was the right part. Totally. Yeah. So with Rage, it was more of a just like, you know, riffs, you know, getting on some riffs and just driving those riffs. And then when Tom would break off and do make noises and do solos and stuff, then I was focused on how do I, you know, how do I prevent him from wanting to go back in and put rhythm guitar underneath the guitar. Oh. So like I need to figure out how to make yeah. my bass sound more aggressive. And that's. You know that sort of set because Rage albums is drums, one guitar track, one bass track. There's no real yeah. guitars, bass. No, track. yeah, no. It's like the early Van Halen records are like that. Yeah, too. those and the, the records I love are like that. Yeah. you know, and I love that sound of like when the guitar breaks off and you hear the bass. Yeah, and especially yeah, yeah. when the bass is able to step up and take over. You know, and right. And the bass to me is such a uh, a powerful, unforgiving sort of. You play a bad note. And everyone knows, you know, and so right. like it just—it's the foundation. It is, it's, you know, as much as the drums. I mean, drums and absolutely, bass, but it's. It, you know, it makes me laugh when you're talking about. Um, I saw ACDC the night of the Grammys, okay. and the best—I mean, the best freaking rock band. But people yeah. always go, "Ah, yeah, well, you know, I can play ACDC drums or I can play ACDC bass." It's like, really? You think so? Yeah. No. Really? Try it. Yeah. Any bass player, any any drummer, go try it. No. See, see, see how easy it is. Yeah, it'll you never know, sound the same. Never the same. No. The bass and the drums is so important in any band, yeah. but especially with, with those bands you're talking about. It's funny too. I was just thinking, uh, I, I'm not sure. Is, is Rage still in existence? Yeah. Okay, so you guys are still still going. That's great. We're, I mean, we we have, we're not playing. We don't have right. any, like plan, but you never know. Right. Like, it's the same as it's ever been. But in the it's meantime, like, yeah. though, I'm laughing. Tom is in Bruce Springsteen's band. Yeah. Brad drumming for Sabbath. No, well, now he's playing for the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, is he? Yeah, he moved on to the Smashing Pumpkins. But he, yeah, he played on the yeah, Sabbath yeah, record. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's not a bad uh, group of friends to have there. No, that's you know? cool, yeah. It's all good. <laughs> that shows the, how great of musicians you guys are. Well, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's or so how cool. lucky we are. You know, I tell people, 
I tell people that all the time, and I really believe that, that, like, you know, mm-hmm. well, how do you make it? Like, what's the way to be, you know, how do you pull it off and make it an event? And I was like, be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And know the right people and right. be lucky. You know, there's so much of it that has to do with luck because more than, more than, it's like, there's so many great musicians that have ne- nobody knows about. There's yeah. more of those guys than there are. The show there is. You know, so, like, it's, you have to do something different. You know, and like you said, right time, right place, but a little bit of a different twist, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Have you seen uh, Tom playing with Bruce at all? I have, yeah. When he does the solo for The Ghost of Tom Joad, yeah. I went last year, and, you know, there's Springsteen fans, there's some you know, older guys there, and yeah. I was sitting right next to some old dudes, and they were drinking, they were having yeah. a blast. And when he busted that solo out, I don't know if they'd ever seen Raging Against Machine, ever yeah. heard of Tom Morello, but, yeah. man, they were going nuts oh, yeah. when he took the plug out. And he, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'd never seen that before. No. Something completely brand new. Totally. You know? to, to them, you know. To them, Not exactly. To me. Well, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen it all, and that's the thing about Tom, is it's the same amp, the same guitar, and the same, like, Five little effects pedals that he ever he he's a stickler. He just keeps it all the same, and then just tries to manipulate it in a different way to get a different sound. And and for me, as a guy from Rage, I I know the sound. <laughs> you know the tricks. <laughs> it all. How about uh, for with future users? Is this something you guys want to do some touring with and play some live? Well, shows I hope with? so. You know, if, if there's a if it if it builds to a point where that's an opportunity, I'm I'm game. I'm in. You know, we would have to pick up a guitar player mm-hmm. and and dial in the superhuman prog rock computer and, <laughs> and make a you know figure out how to blend. Was there a drummer on the record or was there There is, yeah. Okay. This guy John Knox, oddly enough, okay. is like uh, a dude who I grew up with in Irvine, you know, with Zach and I and you know, there, there's like back when we were kids in Irvine it was all just orange fields and you know, orange groves and a couple high schools and mm-hmm. and I was at one high school and Zach was at that high school. And then the other high school, there was this kid, John Knox, and he was like the best drummer in Irvine. And he was also one of the only black kids in Irvine. Oh, okay. And he was also a Rush and Maiden freak. And, which, he played, and he's black, which is really oh, crazy. So sick. And he, he's so flashy, you know, <laughs> yeah. but like he's just such a sick drummer. And he, um, he, he had a double, I remember in high school, he had like a double bass, full on like, Neil Peart drum set. So, like, <laughs> if the opportunity presents itself for us to play, I've already talked to John. I'm like, dude, we're going to just break out the <laughs> sickest double bass <laughs> prog rock kit ever. And that's yeah. the thing when you're a kid, too. If, like, someone has a double bass drum kit, it doesn't matter if he can play or not. Yeah. He's just got the, oh, you yeah. see his kit? It's yeah. wicked. It's great. Yeah. Now, Brendan O'Brien played guitars on yeah. your record. Very famous uh, producer. He might have, I think he did the last ACDC record. Last he couple. Yeah. Great guitar player, too, though. A lot of people don't know that. Amazing guitar player, the yeah. best guitar player that I've ever. I've heard that from a couple different people. Yeah. The best guitar player I've ever been around. Wow. Okay, I've n- and the best. That's not knocking Tom. No, no, I no. I love no. Tom. Tom is an innovator, and he's right, and he's right, right. Doing, He does amazing stuff on the guitar. But Brendan is a is a guy who can play any song, and you can sit into a you can call out any song from the prog rock <laughs> or from the classic rock or any song that you would hear on KLOS. Yeah, 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 yeah. And say play the song. And he can play it note for note. Wow. You know uh, who knows who else is like that is, uh, you know, Paul Gilbert? Paul Gilbert, I He did. can do that. Yeah. They play the raspberries, yeah. uh, go all the way. Okay. You know, Brennan, so Brennan's like that. He can play any Zeppelin song, any King Crimson song, any Yes song. These, like, intense <laughs> songs that, like, it's one thing to be able to play them. It's another thing to be able to remember them yeah, exactly. for a long, long time. Right, 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 exactly. He plays them exact. Like, when we were in the studio with Tom, and Tom had his... Uh, Double neck SG that he used to, he played on I forgot what song he used to use it for with Rage but um, 
Brendan got on that thing and immediately knew like what songs that Jimi Hendrix used that on. I mean, uh, that Jimmy Page used that on. Yeah, yeah. And and like played exactly. <laughs> it was like going between the two necks and like exactly the way Page did it. You know, it's not just kind of, but exactly perfect. Yes. Yeah. And he he grew up on some just you know Chet Atkins and uh-huh. players like that that are slightly underrated. But if you listen to like Yes, you hear mm-hmm. that those influences and. And so when he when we had the opportunity to play with Brennan, it was just like, here you know he has perfect pitch. He can, like you can go, uh, and he'll go, oh that's an F sharp. <laughs> and sure enough, it's don't an F guys sharp. Like, that it's piss insane, you off, you know. <laughs> and so he's like he's that guy, and he's the real deal. And that like it's nowadays you go get your record produced by somebody, and they have an engineer who's running all the gear, and they're telling that guy, oh, hey, can you yeah. get this or yeah, do yeah, that? Yeah. And you hook up. Well, Brennan actually knows how to do all that. You mm-hmm. know, he used to be Rick Rubin's engineer when they, you know, back in the day. They right. had a Black Clo- Crows record. And he played a lot of the guitar on the Black Crows oh, record. Okay. You know, like a lot of great playing it was Brendan. You know? It's amazing and, how you get those guys. Cause Bob Rock is like that. He was like the, the, uh, the, the student of Bruce Fairburn. And same thing Bob yeah. plays. All the best producers were players as well. And there you, know, you get go. the tones that you want, yeah. right? We're, but, I mean, I, I don't... Uh, there is something in that. But then there's also guys like Rick Rubin, who is not... He does just a feel guy. Yeah. And yeah. he just, he has a book of knowledge in his head. Did you work with Rick? Yeah. On which record? We did the first two Audio Slave records and Rage right. Renegades album. That's right. That's right. I've done three records. So how was it working with him? Is he just kind of a dude who just sits in the back and says, try this, try that? Well, I, I don't know what he is. I don't know what he's like now because he's changed so much in the last few years. He's now like a, an exercise freak. And, yeah, yeah. He lost like, There's weight. this crew of guys that we work out in Malibu, Laird Hamilton and... And a bunch of people, and Rick now is a part of that. You know, <laughs> part of that group. Last know? time I saw him, he was super thin. Oh, he's a shadow of himself. Yeah, straight like, up. Really... So I don't know that he's laying on the couch with a frappuccino <laughs> and some like vegan, like four or five vegan meals, yeah. like he used to before. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I mean, Brent, like I said about Brennan, Brennan, Brennan to me, like I went into future user thinking. I don't ever want to play with another guitar player again. Mm-hmm. I just want to like let the computer, let the computer do its thing. Yeah, I love that it can do stuff that we can't do. I'm gonna right. let it just be the soloist, and and we made music like that, and it sounded good. And then I played it for Brendan, and he liked it. And then I was like, "Would you be willing to to help me out?" He's, "I'll do whatever you want." Right. And I go, "Well, maybe come down and play guitar on like a song." And so he's all right. I'll come down tomorrow. I was like, "Cool." He came down, played guitar on Clockwork, mm-hmm. tuned up. Then he started wildly detuning the strings, and I, I was—it was incredible. Like he, I think the tuning was like E G G G G G. <laughs> That's how wow. he had the guitar tuned. And wow! I was like, whoa, you know. And he played—he used like an acoustic guitar, an electric guitar, and and he was able to tweak it and tune it and get it right, and then move all over the net mm. as if he'd been playing in that that, in that tuning tune his whole years, yeah. life, you know, and and. It just after he was done with that first song, I just went like, "Wow, that's the, that was the missing element. That's that's yeah. that's it." And so then it was just like, "Hey, can you play on all the songs, please?" And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> and so we played on all the songs, and then we got like his mixer, this guy Tom Sorowski, to come in and mix. And yeah, Brendan mixes too, but like he he didn't mix my. So something you should invite him to do a live show. I wonder if it'd be fun for him to play live. Oh, he does that every mm-hmm. once in a while with some people, and I'm sure he would do it. But whether or not I could convince him to do it for an extended period of yeah. time, I doubt it. I don't it, know for know. sure. Yeah. Uh, last question. I mean, you've played so many gigs. I'm just thinking about Rage Against the Machine, so mm-hmm. many powerful shows. Is there one show in particular that stands out more than the others? 
well, the last one we did at the Coliseum. You know, oh, we played wow. the Coliseum, and you know that's such an iconic venue yeah. for living in Los Angeles, and it's it's such a huge. You know, they had Olympics there. Yeah, and, it's the stadium. Yeah, it's it's huge, hundred thousand people or something like that, and so for us to be able to play there was just insane. And you know, we had it all dialed in with. It was all blacked out with like red stars, and <laughs> we had the Olympic torch on, you know, that lit up when we came on with the air raid sirens. Oh, and that's crazy! It was crazy. It was. It was an. Was um, it part of a festival or was it? No, it was art. It was a show we did called L.A. Rising, and it was just. So it was like a bunch of different bands that you guys. We had a few bands. We had like Muse opened up for us, and we wow, had Muse like, opened for you. Yeah, in in L.A. Yeah. I guess so, right? Yeah. And this was like two years ago or three years ago. Wow. And, and it was, it was awesome. It was an amazing experience, and I was a little nervous about it going into it, thinking like, this is such a huge venue, and they have all the, they have all these partitions to keep people from getting too crazy, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. just I learned right then and there there to like never like second guess a Rage fan. Like uh. they know how to make it happen regardless of how they have the venue separated up. You know? <laughs> yeah, how many, Kids, pe- how many people were there? This is like ninety thousand. That's crazy, like, it was man. Nuts, what you know? a feeling, right? It was nuts. It was really an incredible thing, and so that was the last Rage show. And I never know, and nor do the fans, whether or not that will be the last show. And it's been like that for many years. And and so every time we play, it's almost like this is going to be the last show. And so gotcha. people just amp up on that level. And uh, if that is the last show, then it was a great way to go out. I'll say know? it was yeah. a great way to go out. But I'm hopeful. What's uh, what's your favorite song to play live? With Rage? Yeah. Um, I'm just killing the name. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan and a Rage, you know, the show, I say it all the time, it's, uh, there's the band and there's the audience at a Rage show. And it's a 50-50 equal split. And if the audience is not oh. great, the show's not great. Gotcha. If the band's not great, the show's not great. Gotcha. So it takes like... It's a shared experience, right, 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 and and so that I love, I love rage crowds. I, they're just, you know, I've seen it all, and we've <laughs> never had a death, and we, you yeah. know, we've had a few injuries, but we've been with lucky. the amount of aggression that that oh, the show, yeah, you know, the wins. most, right? I mean, I've never been to shows, I've never seen anyone else mm-hmm. do that to an audience, you know. Well, hopefully we'll get to see it again. And in the meantime, it's future user. And you guys got to check this out. Steroids or heroin is uh, is the record. Is it iTunes on iTunes? Yep. Right. But the videos too. Clockwork, Mountain Lion, so many cool stuff. Yep. Tim, it's great talking right to you, Chris. Thank, Thank you. you, dude. Awesome. Thanks again to Tim Comerford. Check out the videos he told you about with his new band, Future User. You can see tennis legend John McEnroe being waterboarded. You can see Tim being lit on fire. You can hear some cool new rock and roll tunes as well. You can see all of that on YouTube. Just search Future User. You know what else you're going to be able to watch online starting April 13th? The new Comedy Central web series starring Chris Jericho and Nick Mundy, the funniest new comedian out there today. Nothing to report. This show is hilarious. You are going to love it. And pretty soon I'm going to have Nick on this show along with Clint Gage and Michael Truly, the guys that we did this show with. It is going to be hilarious. You do that by going, you want to check it out, you go to ComedyCentral.com and you watch Nothing to Report All the episodes will be released on April 13th. You do not want to miss this. It's funny because I said it's funny and because it's on Comedy Central. And not only do I have a killer new web series, Fozzie, getting ready to rock again as well. Tomorrow night, Saturday, April 4th, 
Rich Ward, the Duke, and I, we're going to be on that metal show on VH1 Classic Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. My buddy Eddie Trunk, Don Jameson, Jim Florentine, Billy Corgan will be on, Max Cavalera will be on, and it is hilarious. I'm telling you right now, though, if you haven't seen David Lee Roth on Jimmy Kimmel, you got to watch it first or you're not going to understand a thing that I'm doing when I'm on the show. Dave came out and started singing with a giant Band-Aid on his nose for no apparent reason. Keep that in mind when you watch that metal show tomorrow night, Saturday on VH1 Classic. Then April 19th, I will be at the Super Mega Fest in Marlboro, Massachusetts. SuperMegaFest.com will be there on the Sunday only. April 24th, Fozzie comes back to Atlanta, 37 Maine in Johns Creek. Get your tickets and VIP at FozzieRock.com. Then we head on down the highway and rock it and welcome to Rockville in Jacksonville, Florida, the second year in the row that we're doing that. That's on April 25th. Then May 18th through the 24th, we're out on the road with Slash. Fozzie and Slash, it's a match made in heaven. That's Chicago, Austin, Houston, Dallas. Once again, FozzieRock.com for all VIP info, all rock and roll intro info uh, to meet the band and come hang out with us. Come taste the band, as Deep Purple once said. August 9th, we'll be at Heavy Montreal, the biggest festival in Canada in Montreal. We'll be playing at that as well. So many more gigs coming up, and then on October 30th, we're rocking the Kiss Cruise with my friends Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. Yeah, man, this is going to be a dream come true. Kiss Cruise 5, Kiss, Fozzie, Steel Panther, Lita Ford. October 30th, we set sail to Jamaica all the way to November 3rd. If you want to get some tickets, you better hurry. KissCruise.com, and that's Kiss with a K, of course. One last thank you, one last thing to say. I want to appreciate the sponsors of Talk is Jericho. DraftKings.com, DDP Yoga, NatureBox.com, and of course, Amazon. Thanks to you guys for supporting the sponsors and doing it all through the Amazon links. You go to PodcastOne.com, click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page, click on Talk is Jericho. You see all three of my Amazon links in the UK, the USA, Canada, A. Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. All right, next week, first of all, Monday night, live. Live with Chris Jericho on the WWE Network, immediately following Raw with my guest, John Cena. That's right, John Cena, finally, versus Jericho. And then next Wednesday, following it up with a huge, huge guest. But just in case another huge guest comes in, i got to leave that free and clear. So I'll leave you with Monday, John Cena versus Chris Jericho on Live with Chris Jericho, my first live podcast. It's going to be different from the other ones you saw on the WWE Network. We're going to have a good time tonight. Rock and roll music make you feel all right. Come on and it won't be long. Come on, little baby, and stay strong. All right, that's all I got to say about that. And I got one more thing to say. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 